I'm joined today by Genevieve Clay-Smith and Emily Dash, two filmmakers and disability advocates working in film. I'm talking to them today about the new film Music by Sia. The trailer has hit and the backlash has begun. We're going to be talking about best industry practices, how to navigate backlash, and the whole controversy around Sia and her film. This is Genevieve Clay-Smith. Hi, everybody. My name's Emily Dash. I'm a filmmaker and co-founder of Bus Stop Films. I'm a writer, actor, and disability advocate. I'm today going to be talking about disability representation in film. And today I'm going to be talking about disability in film. I wanted to start today by asking whether you have sympathy for Sia as someone who's receiving a lot of backlash, who's learning in public, in the spotlight. (laughs) No, because I think that these things could have been avoided. And that's me, you know, coming as a fan of Sia, for example. So I was really, really, really properly um, devastated to see that this was happening with Sia because I, for so long, had looked up to her as an artist and a writer, and so for her to turn around and say all of this, I mean, I it might sound harsh, but I don't have sympathy for her at all. I think good intentions can actually be harmful, particularly if you're not educated around the complex and systemic issues of ableism, which, like racism, is inherent within everybody. While Sia might have some empathy and good intentions around this subject, it doesn't actually account for anything if you are causing harm in the process of outworking those intentions. You know, she has argued that um, she's tried to work with someone who is autistic and she has a friend with autism, but for me that doesn't really count as due diligence and research. Saying that she couldn't find someone with disability to fulfil the role is outlandish. One of Australia's top female dancers, she won Best Female Dance Dancer at the Australian Dance Awards, is Yana Costello. She is on the autism spectrum. She has Tourette's and movement dystonia. All you have to do is look into the community and actually believe that you can find someone with lived experience to fulfil this role and give them that opportunity to do so. And even, you know, if she quote-unquote couldn't find the right person, find someone who doesn't have the dancing experience, find the person that you, you know, you need to fill this role and then teach them. This was not a low-budget film. There were resources to be able to creatively represent this character. You know, we have the type of technology that we see in a social network where the character of the twins, well, that was one actor, and they face-planted the actor's face onto a second actor flawlessly. That type of technology is available. And for a high-budget film, could have been utilised to creatively bring a, a, a character with autism, with an actor with a lived experience of autism to life if they did not have the physical capability to perform some of the stunts and the dance routines. There are so many creative ways to recreate that 
through technology. And unfortunately, in the creation of this film, we have a message that says people with disability can't be a part of the film industry. That's the message. Emily, can we imagine that Sia approached you at the start of the process of making this film? She's asked you for guidance and wants your help. What would you do at the very beginning of this production? If she was really serious about authentic collaboration, she wouldn't be approaching me. Um, But if, say, she was uh, making a film around cerebral palsy, then absolutely I would go through the script with her and see what I found to be problematic, make sure that she had a budget to pay me for my time and energy in doing that and editing the script, and then we will go through and I would say, these are the problems I see, this is why, this is how I feel like we could go around this, And then we would have a back and forth conversation till we find a solution that we're really happy with to all these problems. You know, you would find going that way that you make a much better film. You know, there are other really problematic messages within the film itself in this whole idea of, oh, this character's teaching me how to love and I'm getting such a better person because I'm dealing with this person with disability. You know, that's a message that we see in, in, in films about disability all the time when they even exist. And it's really problematic as well as obviously it's not being informed by the lived experience of someone with autism. So, you know, all the... There's so much around how the disability is portrayed that itself is really problematic. And people without disability are going to watch this this film and internalise those messages. It does not help to create a more inclusive society. As filmmakers, we do have a responsibility to think about what's the impact of my film on society. What am I actually saying? And how is this going to impact others? And when we are looking at representing a story around disability, where this is a community that has been fighting for human rights for as long as the world began, And if this film isn't actually going to be helping the progression of human rights in the terms of inclusion in the workplace, whether that's the film industry or more so, or just challenging what ableism is, then, you know, why make it? Because at the moment we see the film and all it does is replicate those messages that we already hear in the mainstream media about autism. What about if what about if an actor with a lived experience of disability was playing in dramatic scenes and then they transitioned into Maddie Ziegler's character dancing? Would that cut it for you, do you think? Yeah, no. Um I don't believe that, that is um a reasonable adjustment to make. I mean it could you know, that's not the <laughs> the kind of gold standard, I guess, that I would expect. 
what that is, is working with the person within their limitations or finding ways to um, teach them, I guess. Like, I just feel like I just want to come back to the example of Yana, Yana Castillo, who is an amazing dancer and is a woman is amazing. on the spectrum um, with lived experience of disability. And you can find people, you know, it's just, it's just how hard do you want to, um, you know, work to authentically represent this community? Any creative attempt to ensure that there was authentic casting would have been better than what ended up occurring. The second that you get someone authentically cast and also involved at all in the creative process, they will look at all these problematic messages and go, no, absolutely not. These are the things that we have to work, you know, work out a way to get around because, you know, you can't be involved in a film that's perpetuating all of this. Would it cut it for you if an actor with the lived experience of disability played out the dramatic scenes and then in the other scenes that required really intense dancing, they used a stand-in and then transplanted that actor's face onto the stand-in through CGI, would that cut it for you or is that a cop-out? I mean, it could be, but I think it's a cop-out, to be honest. Like, I genuinely believe that's a cop-out. And that's not giving someone an opportunity that they wouldn't have otherwise had. The thing with the social network technology is I actually feel it answers an issue that we come up against again and again when it's representing disability on screen. And that is, if I need to show somebody acquiring disability, so for instance, a character that might be walking in one scene and then later on um, has lost, um, has, has acquired disability and, and is now um, using a wheelchair or um, has, has a physical impairment, um, the, the argument that Hollywood and other filmmakers have made is that, well, we need to cast someone without disability because we need someone who can walk because we need them to walk in this other scene. My argument is, okay, if we've got technology that can actually um, take the face of an actor and put it on another body, why not find an actor who actually has the physical impairment or, and, um, and, and, and make that the actor and then put their face on someone that can walk to do the other scenes. It's actually a pretty interesting concept that Hollywood hasn't done yet. Nobody's done that yet, but the technology is there. And the amount of high-budget films that could cater for this, um, for instance, I think of the film Me Before You, um, that did show Will, the lead actor, um, walking at, in the first act, and then for the rest of the film, he um, has, uh, he's, he's quadriplegic. Um, you know, the, someone with disability, even though I, I really don't like that film and, and it's problematic in and of itself, but if we were going to authentically cast that character, we could cast someone with disability with that disability that the character in the story has and explore this technology to shift their face onto an actor that can walk to do the previous scene. It is possible. It is possible. It just takes some creative thinking. And also my argument would be 
if that is an argument that's leveled towards a film, is that walking scene in the beginning entirely necessary or is there a way you can tell the story otherwise? So, you know, it's, it's another realm of creative thinking, I guess. And I should clarify, I would be saying that you use the face of the actor with disability. They're the actor. Yeah. They're representing the story. And we would put their face on, on, an, on a, um, on a stand-in. Um, yeah. You know, it's just, it, it's creative thinking and it's around using, you know, we have the technology now. Like, I really don't think there's any excuse not to be authentically casting. But really, the best way to go about making a film that um, connects with the disabled community is to find a disabled artist that you want to collaborate with who has the experience that you want to explore and, you know, collaborate with them, give them, and, and that means giving proper credits, whether that be co-writing or otherwise yes well i think this is a really important question that sia possibly should have not possibly she should have asked herself is if i'm going to represent um you know a a particular community uh, in this case the disability community that has for so long been excluded and has lacked um equal opportunity how can this film that i'm making about them um be made to benefit that community uh, so what 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 um what processes can I put in place to ensure that through this film I'm actually raising up artists with disability I'm actually raising up filmmakers with disability so that eventually you know um, people with disability can empower, be empowered to tell their own story I'm not saying that you should never as a person without disability um, explore disability in your work um, because I think that uh, it's disability is something everybody should be interested in. It is the largest minority in the world that any one of us can join at any time. And so it is in everybody's interest to understand disability. But if you have no relationship, no authentic relationship or connection to the community, have no idea what even the social model is or what what ableism is, then you're gonna run into the problem of projecting your systemic ableist Um, belief system onto your work and so we need to break that and how we do that is by building authentic relationship in the community and working out how can the work actually benefit the community and that actually means co-creation with people with disability and as Emily said co-crediting and credit sharing. I guess the other conversation that I would have is around why do you want to make this film what is the intention what are the messages that you want to get across and why basically why this and why now and then yeah what's the most authentic process because if you want to make a film around autism because you know you feel sorry for you know you met someone with autism and you feel sorry for them or something like this I'm not interested, <laughs> like, because your intention straight up is problematic. 
Um, so that mm. would be another level of conversation that I would have. Like, why are you coming to this story? And what are you going to bring to it, I guess? Man, she's not going to like it, but I don't have anything to lose except yeah. to give my voice to something I've spent a decade um, of my life trying to change. And, you know, in one swoop, here we have Sia kind of undoing that I feel like the work, you know. And, and if we don't have the other voices, actually, because I've been reading the interviews and nobody's bringing up the more systemic issues of, of the impact of this film and actually kind of calling out, no, 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 Sia, just because you've got a friend with, with autism doesn't mean that you um, have done this right. Um, you know, even friends, this is actually important to know, the yeah. friends and family members of people with disability can be ableist and be part of the problem mm. because, because they themselves have been educated in a world that where ableism is systemic. It's like racism. It, you know, everybody has to wrestle with racism, okay, because it's the world that we're in. We all need to wrestle with ableism. And un unless you can confront that publicly, unless you can confront that, then, you know, you're not going to make work that, that challenges it. And, and what I'm seeing in Sia's interviews is a, a, a brash defensiveness of this. It, it's, it's almost kind of, it, my mind boggles at how there's just no... Like she said in her interview on the Sunday Project, um, yeah, I guess it's ableism. It's not ableism. It's it's nepotism. What type of a comment is that, and what kind of message does that give? Mm, totally. It, there's, there's no acknowledgement of of this problem in her interviews. There's no responsibility taken. Um, you had a question. Is there any? Is there any value in what Sia is doing as someone with a huge platform and support behind her? Honestly, I think the only value of this film is it's giving Hollywood the opportunity to take pause and hear the voices of people with disabilities say, we've had enough of this crap, stop making films about us without us. Yeah. And the value of it is that maybe if we continue to have these conversations, maybe Sia will one day make an inclusively made film and then it will be about her you know her support and her base that she has which would be great to have behind us but we don't have it behind us at the moment i think you've covered it 100 percent jen and i think we um we you know when i was preparing for this interview I was saying to people, I've had this conversation many, many times and it's still going on and it will need to still go on for a really long time. But people with disability and artists with disability are making uh, strides and having success in terms of changing perceptions. And this film could have been a part of that, and it just mm. wasn't. Yeah. Mm. So I will not be seeing this film. It's um, 
you know, all well-intentioned, as I, as I mentioned earlier, um, as soon as you inauthentically cast and, and put someone of, without a disability in the role of a person with disability, you've lost my dollar. You've lost my, my interest. And the only reason why I would see it is from the perspective of creating educational resources about the various issues we've been discussing today. We have someone mimicking, because she's used YouTube videos for research, which mimicking mannerisms. Found, which I just found the thing about her using YouTube videos for research, that is so insulting because a lot of those videos of people with autism are often filmed by friends and family members and things like this saying how, you know, terrible life with autism is. You know, I don't know what uh, videos she's been looking at. Either way, it's problematic, but it could have been very, very problematic. Genevieve Clay-Smith, Emily Dash, thank you so much for sharing your time. No worries. Pleasure. Thank you. Thanks. This podcast is produced by FBI Radio in Sydney. Find more at fbiradio.com slash podcasts.